welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would please turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. The book of 2 Peter chapter 3. Last week, I really sensed impressed to the Lord to teach on something that was quickened to me as I was reading Keith Moore's partner letter a couple weeks ago to his partners. And in his letter, a very short letter, he had this sentence. He said, it's time for the church to turn from their wrongdoing. Trust God and follow him with all their hearts. If you do these three things, you'll be safe no matter what tries to come on this planet. Now think about it. Turn, trust, and follow. I think we even have a graphic on that up there. It's the title of our new series, Turn, Trust, and Follow. As you look at that graphic up there, you see that we're, we're talking about three things, and so we're emphasizing the first one, which is turn, which is simply another word for repentance. But then we not only want to turn from things that are hindering and holding us back from God's best, but then we need to work on our trusting in God and go a higher level in believing what He said. Not just optionally believing, but believing because it's a commandment. And so we want to talk about that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about following the leading of the Holy Spirit from the inside out, which will always be in line with Scripture. But He'll talk to you about things in your heart you won't have exact black and white words for in the Bible, but they'll be in line with Scripture and are things pertaining to your specific life, your specific life. And so let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about understanding repentance. This is a word that's very misunderstood right now in the church. As a matter of fact, there's some people today that are thinking and believing that New Testament born-again believers don't have to ever repent for anything. It's all just covered under grace. Well, that's not scriptural because there's places in the New Testament where believers are admonished to repent. Can you show that other graphic, please, up there? We need to understand this word, repentance. It's a very life-saving, powerful word. It can actually save your life, get you off of a road to destruction. Repentance has got, somehow, it's gotten a bad name, like, oh, I'm going to talk about sin, we're going to talk, no, we're talking about not perishing. Because if we'll repent when we're called to repent, if we'll turn around, change our mind, uh, drop things, uh, move on the course God has for us, it's actually life-saving. It's what unlocks so many blessings that have been clogged from coming our way. This will, No wonder the devil fights this word. No wonder the devil wants people to think you don't have to do this under the New Testament because the devil himself knows a lot of people aren't going to get free just because they pray more. They're going to get free because they turn when God tells them to turn. Adjust when God tells them to adjust. Stop things He tells them to stop. Start things He tells them to start. Friend, we do not want to throw away one of the most life-saving, powerful words in the New Testament, in the entire Bible, and that's the word repentance. So let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and we're going to read this scripture again. It's very pertinent to our time. God told Solomon that if the people of God ever get off into sin... If the people of God ever get off track and they fall into idolatry or lust or just get away from God, I want you to tell them these words. 2 Chronicles 7.14 God said, if my people, if they ever get off into sin, 
There is hope, friend. Listen to me. God said, if my people who are called by my name, if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus, if you will humble yourselves and pray, if God's people will humble themselves and pray, seek his face, you know, not not just tell him what we want, but actually hear from him and listen to what he says. Seek my face. If my people will turn, everybody say turn. I can't hear you. Say turn. Online people, I can't hear. Oh, it's because you don't have a microphone. Turn, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, God said, I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin. I'll forgive you for the stuff that opened the door to this junk. And I'll heal you from the stuff that this junk hurts you with, that this stuff did in your life. He said, I'll heal your land. Now, guys, if we ever needed our land healed, it's in times like this. And we've already seen the healing power of God rise in our land because believers took alarm a month ago or more and started praying fervently and more regularly. And I tell the people in our prayer groups, we meet a few times a week online, I tell them, don't take your foot off the gas pedal just because things are getting better. We never want to coast with the Lord. Keep the pedal to the metal. In other words, Keep praying like we started praying a month ago and keep it going because Jesus is coming back soon and that prayer needs to come forth in this hour. And so the Lord told us right here, if you've ever got problems in your land, if you've got problems in your body, if you've got problems in your family, in your marriage, if you've got problems in your finances, humble yourselves and pray. Seek God's face. If you're involved in any wrongdoing, if you're doing anything that you're not sure is 100% okay, leave it alone, turn from it, get out of it. And God said, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. So if you look, there's about three things he tells his people to do. Aren't you glad he didn't say, if all the people in the world will humble themselves and pray, we ain't going to get all the people in the world to do this. And we don't need all the people in the world to do this. God said, if my people would do this, there'd be more healing in the land. So if God's people will get their act together. I've seen some people come up in this time. I've personally come up to higher levels in God. And I've seen some people come, but I really sense there's some more people that need to come up. We need to come up. There's some people that need to come up a little higher. They know they should be higher with God. They know that they should make those adjustments in their life. They know they need to lay aside some things. They know they need to be honest with some people. They know they need to lay aside some weights. They know they need to reveal some things to a spouse. Come on, we got to do these things that the Spirit of God is leading us to do if we want to see the full healing in our land. And so I I know it's a time right now where people are soul searching, they're seeking God. But I will say this, it's going to get better and it's already getting better. But that doesn't mean the devil's not going to try something else. It doesn't mean he's not going to try to mess up our election in 2020. And friend, I don't want it to get any worse before the church fully wakes up. I don't. I really don't want it to get any worse. I pray it doesn't have to get any worse. I hope we all get our act together right now so this election in 2020 goes the right way. Now, believe me, I want it to go the right way. But if it doesn't go the right way, I still have a king. His name is Jesus. He has a real economy available to everybody on the earth, and I'm going to be all right. But for others' sake, for the land's sake, and for this entire nation's sake, We're believing that the right persons, the right people will be elected and put in office so that God can have some more years of freedom to preach the gospel before Jesus comes. I don't want the wrong person elected, but I got to thinking, hmm, if the wrong people being elected would really cause the church to wake up, 
then that might even be better than if the right person was elected, if the church stays asleep and stays in the world and stays messing around with sin. I don't want that to happen. I say we wake up now. I say we wake up by faith, realizing these are the last days. The devil's got some terrible plans arrayed against our country. And if the church will rise up, we can keep those plans at bay of the enemy. And we can do the will of God till Jesus comes and get this gospel preached. I say, church, let's wake up. Let's wake. Let's throw aside weights and sins that have been so easily tripping us up. Let's get rid of that stuff we're not totally sure is okay. Let's, if we've got to question it, leave it alone. Because what's not ever, whatever's not a faith, full persuasion is sin anyway, the Bible says. And so we need to take a, a real strong admonition from this verse that God gave Solomon. And we need to do these things. Humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn from all wrongdoing. And God said he'd hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Notice, prayer alone won't heal our land. If prayer alone was all that it took, the last half of that verse wouldn't have needed to have been written. No, we also need to turn. I think another way to understand that is we need to repent of anything that we're not sure is God's perfect will for our life. All right, so turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. And let's look here, 2 Peter 3. The Bible says, the Lord is not slack. Verse 9, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack, slow, concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice, perishing is directly connected to not wanting to change when change is needed. Notice, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this is a huge answer to why a lot of people are perishing, even good people. You know, it's not big sins necessarily that cause big problems in people's lives. Sometimes it's just not repenting from the direction of your direction unto the direction of the Lord. Sometimes it's just not being serious enough about doing the will of God. This scripture here says, perishing is the result of people going the wrong way. Repent means to turn around. And God says, if you don't want to perish, not just not, just not want to end up in hell, if you don't want to perish physically, if you don't want to perish in the health area, if you don't want to perish financially, if you don't want to perish in relationship areas, be open to repentance. Be open to fresh direction from the Lord. Because the Lord said the reason people perish is they don't want to change. Oh, friend, if that's all it is, let's be open. I know they say that the older you get, the harder the cement gets and the harder it is to change. Well, friend, listen, with God's help, anybody can change. You could be 99 years old, set in your ways, and still change and see victory in your life with God's help. We need to be pliable and correctable all our life. And I've seen this. I've seen it with with everything that's going on on social media and the whole virus thing and, and all the people talking politics and all this, there are some people just flat out set in their funky ways. They are set in their mindset. And the, the, the sad thing about it is a lot of them are totally wrong and they think they're totally right. I got to be open. You got to be open. We all have to be open to the fact that maybe, maybe we've been thinking a wrong way for so long. It's become such a part of us that anything that interrupts that, we think, no, it's just too close to my core. No, 
we need to be open. We need, because I'm telling you, a lot of people are perishing mentally. They've got depression. Believers, good people, anxiety, fear, sickness, bondage, oppression, lack. These things are, and they're not supposed to be in our lives, especially as believers. And a lot of times the answer is not another prayer. A lot of times the answer is not, Pastor, cast the devil off of me. A lot of times the answer is repent, change, listen to God more clearly, listen to him more acutely and see if there's anything he's dealing with you about strongholds thought patterns beliefs priorities if there's anything he wants changed be open because a lot of times it's not just a healing that you need it's a change in your course that you need that would bring healing or, or keep or not clog it anymore from coming into your life do you see this church? 2 Peter 3 9 show it up there again the Lord's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness He's not slow. If there's, a, if there's a reason for slow victory, it's not his fault. He's waiting for us to change so that victory can happen. God's not the slow one here. He's not the slack one here. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friend, listen closely. God is not in the destruction business. He's not in the killing people business. He had nothing to do with this virus coming on the earth except allowing what our sin allowed. Are you, do you follow me here? What God allows is not His will. Are you kidding me? He, he has to allow a lot of things because we allow a lot of things. We're the ones living on the earth that He's leased to Adam and we can do whatever we want in our house right now and it's, it's up to us. No, no, God is not a destroyer. The Bible says the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the devil. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Friend, don't think that God sent this virus. He did not send this virus. He would be a murderer if he sent this virus. He'd be a child abuser if he sent this virus. He did not send, of course he allowed it, but he, he allows a lot of stuff he doesn't want to happen because he gave man free will. He'll allow you to go out tonight and rob a gas station, but it's not his will that you do. And you know why he'll allow you to do it? Because he gave you a free will. There'll be consequences, like he said, but he's not just stopping everybody and handcuffing everybody from doing that. He gave us a free will. We got to learn how to use our free will. And he did not cause this virus. I needed to say that because I heard a report recently that some people think maybe God caused this virus because, look, the church is getting better. No, he, he may be working in it, but he didn't cause it or bring it. You need to know that God's a good God. There's a lot of things happening in the earth that are not the will of God. There is a devil. There are demons. And they're trying to do all kinds of stuff. There are men with free will. There's crazy people. Just because crazy bad things are happening in the earth does not mean God wanted it to happen. He doesn't have some mysterious sovereign purpose in it. It's just man has free will and he can make stupid decisions. And there's a devil and demons and sometimes people yield to the devil and demons and that's why bad things happen in the earth realm. No, no, no. God's the Savior. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the provider. So now turn to another scripture with, you, with me, please. Um, oh, actually, before, let me just tell you these scriptures so you can get ready to go to Hebrews chapter 6. But let me read this to you as you're finding these scriptures. Um, people don't want to change, and those people usually experience some kind of perishing in their lives. So let's learn to like the word repent. In 1 Corinthians 11, I wanted to read this to you, and I don't, you don't need to turn there, but 
In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said to the church, For this reason, many of you are sick, weak, and die young. Talking to believers, he's saying there's a reason many of you Christians are weak, sick, and die young. I don't think it would be good to know what that reason is and stay away from it. Hmm? Um, there's, some, there's some obvious sins we're all staying away from. You know, anybody about obvious? We see black and white scripture on it. Uh, we just know in our conscience, you know, that's wrong. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You know, thou shalt not covet. Um, you know, we know. But then there's some other sins that aren't so obvious that we need to be very aware of so that we don't perish in some of these areas that the Bible talks about. If we don't repent in, we could perish. And perish doesn't mean just die and leave, you know. It could be perishing in other areas of your life. One of these areas that we need to be aware of is we need to be very aware of violations of love. Here's what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, tells us what the characteristics of the God kind of love are. And that we need to go over this every day because the more these scriptures are on our mind, the less likely we're going to slip unconsciously into violations of love. A lot of people don't realize it, but they're committing violations of love all the time and they're not recognizing it and they're not repenting from it and it's causing problems in their life and they're wondering why their prayers don't work. For example, did you know one of the characteristics of the God kind of love which God commands us to live in is love is kind. I wonder if anybody ever has to repent for not being kind when they knew better. They flew off the handle, yelled at somebody, said something with a wrong spirit or a wrong heart. Friend, these are violations of love and they're just as serious as committing adultery. It's just as serious as stealing or lying. We need to be aware, and I'm saying this because this is one of the things we need to be aware of when it comes to repentance. Most of us are going to stay away from robbing a bank, I hope. <laughs> if not, come in for counsel immediately. Most of us are going to stay away from killing. Most of us are going to stay away from adultery. But violations of love? Ah, it's no big deal, so I wasn't kind. A thousand people around me aren't kind every day. Yeah, but we're not called to follow everybody around us. We're called to follow scriptures. This is one of the reasons why some people are not experiencing God's best, because they're not recognizing violations of love. And that's one of the things we need to be aware of. Another thing people aren't aware of, they're not aware of violations of faith. What do you mean, violations of faith? They've heard from God in certain areas, but they're not persuaded to do it. They're not fully persuaded they want to do it. They've heard from God, they've read scriptures, they've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, but they're just not taking it serious. And that's called a violation of faith. Let me read you a couple of things I had, had down here. Everyone is out on the lookout for big sins. But not many are aware of violations of love. Not many are aware of violations of faith. And not many are aware of violations of being filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. These are words from God to us that are not optional to God. We are supposed to be living a Spirit-filled life. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit when we know better. And we're supposed to be walking in love. And we're supposed to believe Scriptures when we know those Scriptures. And so I, my question to a lot of the church would be, when's the last time you repented from a violation of love, faith, 
are being filled with the Spirit. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, to believers, be filled with the Spirit. He's talking about maintaining a Spirit-filled life, not just having an experience three years ago where you got filled in spoken tongues. He's talking about maintaining. The Bible says, be being filled with the Spirit. That's a, that's a, that's a word from God. That's not a, a suggestion or optional. Violations of these is a reason for so many problems and not seeing victory in people's lives. And they're going, but I don't commit adultery and I don't steal. Why are these problems happen? Are you violating love? Check up on yourself. Are you violating faith? Are you believing God? Are you just kind of saying, well, that's a nice scripture. And are you violating being filled with the Spirit? Very important. If you want to live in total victory, be aware of the sins that most people aren't aware of and make sure you're turning and going the direction that the Word and the Spirit are telling you to go. Um, before we go on, I want to say this, and I want you to see if you can understand this, okay? Talking about um, repenting, turning from things that you know are wrong, and turning from things that in your heart you know the Spirit of God wants you to turn from. This phrase came to me. It's a sin to do what's not a sin if the Lord tells you not to do it. I'm going to say it again. It's a sin to do something that's not a sin if the Lord tells you, stop doing it. I'm going to say it again, in case there's anybody still trying to figure it out. It's a sin to do something that is not a black and white sin. It's a sin to do that if the Lord's telling you to stay away from it. Are you following me? The Spirit of God at times will tell you things on the inside to stay away from that you can't find scriptures that say doing it is a sin. Hmm? This is where you're walking close with the Lord comes in. I remember one time I liked what was called sparkling apple juice. It was in a clear bottle. It was carbonated. And when you took a swig and it bubbled in that clear bottle, it looked just like a Miller beer. It was apple juice, and I would go and buy them at the, at the grocery store or the, or the 7-Eleven or wherever. I would drink these. They looked just like a beer. And I'd just gotten saved, started helping in the church, was, was singing on the praise team, helping my pastor any way I could. And I remember going in and getting one of those sparkling apple juices that when you take a drink, it kind of foams. It looks just like a beer, just like a Miller beer. I heard the Spirit of God say, Son, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't drink those anymore. It could cause somebody to stumble. It looks too much like a beer. You're on stage now in church in the ministry. Could you please stop drinking those sparkling apple juices? Well, last I looked, there's nowhere in the Bible that says apple juice, drinking apple juice is a sin. But for me, it became a sin because the Spirit of God said, Son, don't drink sparkling apple juice anymore. Looks too much like a Miller beer. You're on the platform every Sunday and Wednesday, and you're singing praise songs and, and as a leader in the church. So I said, yes, sir, no problem. Now, I could have got an attitude about it. I could have got in bondage. My pastor could have said, you know, I don't want you drinking those sparkling apple juice. I could have said, pastor, it's an apple juice. What are you trying to put me in bondage? Number one, I'd be in total sin by disrespecting my leaders, talking bad about them. But number two, I'd be in rebellion for not doing something that somebody or the Lord told me to do that wasn't really a sin, but he wanted me to stop. Can you see that? Sometimes you've got to stop things that aren't a black and white sin because the Lord simply told you to. And this is where I think a lot of people mess up. They think, well, well, the Bible doesn't say I can't do it. Well, is the Spirit of God telling you, though? 
Come on, we, we, we say these things. We say, you know what? I'm willing to die for Jesus. Oh, I'm willing to die for the Lord. Are you willing to stop drinking alcohol for him? Well, I'll die for him, but I'm not giving up my beer. What? Can we say, well, I'd die for the Lord. I'd die for the Lord. Would you go to the church he told you to go to and get things right with the pastor that you got offended at? Huh? Well, I can't do that, but I'd die for the Lord. Don't tell me you'd die for the Lord if you can't go back to the church he originally called you to. Fix up an, uh, an offense, amend some relationships. Well, I would die for the Lord. I'll die for the Lord. Oh, I'll die for the Lord. Well, a lot of people say that, but when it comes right down to it, he'll say, well, you're going to die for me? All right, I'd like you to tithe. Well, I, I'm not going to give no money to the church, but I'd die for you, Lord. Come on, man. If we say we're going to die for the Lord, we need to be willing to give up anything for Him at all. Paul got to the place in his life, he said, you know what? If, I, if I'm doing something that's causing my brother to stumble, and what I'm doing is not necessary for living, I'll give it up as long as the earth remains. Actually, the Bible says if we get too uh, adamant about what we believe is right, and you know, I believe this is right, and I believe that is right, I just believe drinking is right, and I believe drinking, and, and you, I'm preaching, I'm going to go to church where they preach drinking is right. Friend, the Bible says that if you go too far with your beliefs, you can actually wound a brother or sister's weak conscience and actually sin against Christ. Holding on so tight to what you, to what, to, you know, just what you want to hold on to. We need to be willing to let everything go for the Lord, even okay things. Paul said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count everything but dung that I may win Christ, that I may be found in Him. And Paul was not just talking about laying aside sins. He was talking about laying aside degrees he earned at the feet of Gamaliel, college degrees, powerful uh, documents that would get him high in life and successful. Sometimes we just need to be ready to give up whatever the Lord says give up. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are to, we are to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily trips us up. I think most people think, well, I'll give up the sin, but that's it. No, 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 no. There's going to be weights that you're going to have to let go if you want to run your race for the Lord properly and you want to be fully pleasing to God and see rewards in this life and the life to come. It can't just be sins we're willing to turn away from. The Bible says you've got to be willing to lay aside weights, things that aren't necessarily sin, but they're holding you back from the powerful witness, the powerful ministry, and your powerful place in the church. Got to be willing to let that stuff go too. When the Spirit of God starts dealing with you about weights, you need to just realize, you know what, this is not a sin, but I'm willing to do it for the Lord. And there's a lot of people that have heard from God in their local church about certain things, but because it came from a pastor, they think it's optional whether they do it or not. Friend, newsflash, God's speaking to us a lot these days through our God-appointed leadership. He's saying things to us. The Spirit's speaking to the church through pastors and teachers. And these things are vital and important, and we need to receive them as from the Lord Himself. Check it all out with the Bible. Make sure it's all scriptural. But if it is, and you don't like it just because you don't like it, doesn't mean it's not for you. Anybody like this preaching tonight? <laughs> Friend, I'm telling you, this kind of preaching precedes great glory, great power, great miracles, and great healing. We can't just talk about the fun things. We've got to talk about the necessary things. And one of them is turn. Turn. Now, aren't you glad I'm not standing up here tonight and saying, turn or burn like a fern? Aren't you glad? There's hope here. We can turn with the Lord's help. And that's what I want to share with you in the last closing minutes. 
Um, <clears throat> I've got about eight minutes here. Or actually, I've got about 13 minutes. Um, I'm going to talk to you about something that I think will really, really help you when it comes to this area of repentance, turning from things that maybe you don't feel like you want to turn from, holding on to things that maybe the Lord's saying, let go. This is really going to help you. So before we get there, look at Hebrews chapter 6. And I want you to read this in a spirit of God loves you. I want you to read this in a, a spirit of everything's going to be all right. It, it don't matter how bad you messed up, no matter how far you've gotten off. Um, this is a pretty heavy scripture, but I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6. And let's start reading in verse 4. Hebrews 6, 4. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 4, and we'll read verse 4, 5, and 6. Are you there? Hebrews 6, 4, 4, 5, and 6. I don't see it on the screen yet. I'd like to wait for it to appear up there. There it is. Verse 4. The Bible says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, it's impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified unto themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Now, this scripture, a lot of people don't understand it, and, they, they, and, and some of them are just supposed to keep reading because this is not a baby Christian scripture. And then when you grow up, the Lord will bring you back to the Scripture. He doesn't want you choking on anything. He, he respects babies. But some of the things I've seen about this Scripture help me greatly understand what he's saying. Because you read this Scripture as a baby Christian, a lot of times the devil will be right there and say, yeah, you, 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 you sinned willfully since you've been a Christian. You've got to read the whole thing in context. What's interesting about this verse of Scripture, and I'm going to read this to you off my notes here because I really want you to get it. Um, there are some people today that don't believe repentance is for today. It's not for New Testament Christians. And that's dangerous. Because this scripture says if you can't get somebody renewed to repentance, they're in big trouble. Do you see that here? It says to renew them again to repentance is impossible, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. To think we don't need to repent is a dangerous way of thinking. This scripture says people who don't believe repentance is for New Testament believers are in danger of the unpardonable sin. I want to say it again. People who think repentance is not for New Testament believers are in danger of the unpardonable sin. The only unpardonable sin is one you think you don't need forgiven for. It's the one you think you don't need to repent of. You can't make somebody repent. And if they refuse to repent, it's not going to go well with them. This is not talking about somebody losing their salvation. <laughs> like, where did my salvation go? I lost my salvation. It fell out of my pocket. Where? No, you don't lose your salvation. You draw back willingly from things you know you're not supposed to draw back from. And you don't turn when the Lord says turn. Are you following? This is an interesting scripture. Because if somebody doesn't want to repent, even God can't help them. I'm going to say it again. Somebody who chooses not to repent, even the Lord himself can't help that person. Are you following me, church? 
You see, you, you want to be open to the fact that all your life, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be course adjustments, little ones and big ones, all your life. The reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Get used to it. And so we don't want to think, well, I don't need to repent. I mean, there's some people I name preachers' names right now. You, you'd hear, you'd recognize them and you go, they don't believe you need to repent as a New Testament Christian. They believe grace just covers everything. You're just covered forever. Then why did the Bible say in the book of Revelation to three different churches, repent or else. Do this and repent. Repent and do the first works. He's talking. Jesus is specifically and personally talking to New Testament, born-again, spirit-filled Christians. And he said, you guys need to do some repenting. Some turning. New Testament churches, book of Revelation. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Paul told Timothy, a young minister, when you're dealing with people in the church, people that oppose themselves, he said, he said, instruct them in meekness. He said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, Timothy, instructing those that oppose themselves in your church. Instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. A lot of people are in captive and ensnared because they simply don't want to change. I'm going to do what I want and believe what I want and think what I want. There's some people listening right now. You need to be open. You need to think about this. Be open. Don't, don't get on other people's case. Let's examine ourselves tonight. You need to be open that some of the things you've been thinking are wrong. Traditions of men have got you. Hooks sometimes can get in you. It's not easy for them to come out. Do you know... Um, Something that I believe we need to examine in ourselves, especially now the way the country is. You know, just because every politician, every government leader is fighting against each other, just because they're all disrespecting each other, does not mean it's okay for Christians to disrespect their leaders. Just because they're all doing it, doesn't mean we can do it. They may be leaders in the government area, but they're not our leaders in God or in spiritual things. I've been seeing it, guys, there, there's some weird things happening. If you don't like our president you still have zero right from the scriptures to criticize him. This criticizing of those who are in authority, I'd say this, if President Obama was president, if Hillary Clinton was president, if Donald Trump was president, there are some Christians out there, you're saying things against your leaders that are absolutely sinful, they're wrong, and you need to repent. We need to close our mouths when it comes to feeling like criticizing and be a little bit grown up spiritually and start praying for those people because they need your prayers. If you agree with them or not, the Bible says it is not right and we shall not speak evil of the leaders of our people. It is wrong. It's babyhood Christianity and the church needs to stop it. We need to stop talking about how bad President Trump is or how bad somebody else is. We need to close our mouths, quit wah-wahing like babies and grow up because God doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. Matter of fact, some people are actually speaking against the Lord working through our president and they don't realize it's the Lord. Look at Miriam and Aaron. In the book of Exodus, God said, you spoke against me. No, we didn't. We spoke against Moses. God said, you spoke against me because I sent Moses. And so we need to watch. That's one of the things that we need to lay aside and turn from. Criticizing, speaking evil of the president of the United States of America. I'm telling you, we pray for President Obama just as much as we pray for President Trump. We pray for President Trump just as much as we pray for President Obama because they all need our prayers. Whether we agree with them or not, they need prayer and we're called to pray for them.
It's one of the things we need to lay aside. Sure got quiet in this online church. Turn with me quickly uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Thank you, Lord. If I offended you, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry for what I said. Some things have to be addressed and analyzed. How many of you would rather be corrected and hurt during a sermon than hurt out there because you hit a devil's brick wall or got onto his territory and he was able to attack you? How many like to close the gap through a sermon (laughs) instead of learning the hard way? Well, guys, you, you, you know me. I love you. I want the best for the body. I had to repent of some things. Are you kidding me? I had to turn from some things. Some things in my life weren't right a while back. I turned. I got some things right. I know we taught a message not too long ago. It was like two months ago. We taught on be real, be free. And the Lord quickened me to tell our entire congregation, our e-members all over the place, that if you have any secrets that you need to reveal to your spouse, or if you've got any things you need to reveal to a leader at work, or if you've been involved in something you need to talk to somebody about, it's time to be open and honest and not just wait to get caught again. I think one of the worst things is to be known for is to be a liar. One of the most courageous things you'll ever do is fess up to the truth and tell somebody what you need to tell them. And a lot of this is because God wants you strong. He wants your faith working great. He wants you ready for challenges in the future. Friend, whether you realize it or not, if you're, let me read this here. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, your heart will condemn you for living in a way you know is not pleasing to Him. A way that you know is not in line with the New Testament. And you don't want your heart condemning you when you need strong confidence. We don't know totally what's around the corner, but Jesus said these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, if we're living for God, we're going to be taken care of. We're going to live above it. We're going to be protected from it. But there's, th- these are the last days. I mean, we can't stop all fires in the last day. The Bible said some bad stuff was going to happen. But we can't live above it, and we can't pull people from the fire in these last days. And so be encouraged. Now, here's the thing I wanted to say. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let's, let's quickly end here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Put it up on the screen, please. I don't have it in mind. The Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, talking to Christians, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Talking to born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. Paul said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So let me just say this in closing now. Um, God commanding us to turn, God telling us to repent, listen closely, God's word to us enables us to do what he said. Come on, you need to hear this. God's word to us is not just a commandment from a God who wants earthlings to do what he wants them to do. God's word to us in these areas is power to do what he just told us to do. When God gives you a word to do something, you not only hear something, you have now access to power to do it because his word brings the power. Come on, do you see what I'm saying? Lillian B. Omens put it like this. God's commands are enablings. If he commands you to do something, he also at that very moment gives you the ability to do it. His word enables you to do what he's telling you to do. 
Are you listening? There's a power that comes to us when God commands us to do something. It's not just a commandment from a God who wants to control us. It's words and power from a God helping us to do what He told us to do. Let me put it this way. The reason Peter could walk on the water is because Jesus said, Come. In that word, come, was the power to walk on water. When the word to do the impossible came, the power to do the impossible came. And when he heard the word of the Lord, he can now do what he could never do before because the Lord told him to do it. See, the word came and the power to do the miracle came. And so the reason we can stop a way of living that has held us bound is because Jesus said, stop it. Okay, listen, guys, we got to wrap it up here. Listen closely. We got to quit saying our sins are problems. It'll take you a long time to get free if you think it's a problem. But if you look at it as a sin, you know, a sin that's, you know, we know a sin, then on the other side of repentance, you're free. Some things are just grow up and stop it. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but listen closely. A lot of people's answer is this. You ready? When it comes to lifestyles and what I feel so compelled, it doesn't matter. If God tells you to stop it, the power to stop it is right there. So why don't you just by faith do it and stop it. A lot of people don't want to hear this, but when it comes to changing your lifestyle, it's time to grow up and stop it. But I can't help it. Okay, if you can't help it, then one of three things is going on. Number one, God lied because he told you to stop it. Or number two, you don't believe what God said. Or number three, you're demon-possessed and need outside deliverance. I don't believe most people is the third one at all. I believe that they're just not believing that they can do what God told them to do. God didn't lie. Do you ever think about it? We should rejoice when we hear, depart from iniquity, 1 Timothy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, Peter. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily trips us up. Let's turn from our wicked ways. When we hear those words, the power to do those words came on the scene. His commands are enablings. Instead of going, oh man, God's telling me I can't do this and I can't do that and I've tried so hard. Well, you've been trying to do it in your own power. Repentance is a gift. God gives us power to live right. We need to believe we can do what He told us to do. Get these things cleaned out of our lives. Pray like we need to be praying. We will see the best four years of our life if we'll do some of these things I'm talking to you about right now. Be open. Not just to laying aside sins, but weights. Things that are, you know are holding you back from where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Let's pray, guys. Father, we just thank you that your commands are enablings. You tell us to do these things, we can do these things. No more trying or wondering or wishing or hoping. If you tell us to depart from iniquity, we depart from iniquity. If you tell us don't let these things once be named among us, we won't let them once be named among us. Heavenly Father, your words are powerful. And at your command, we have the ability to do what we need to do. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, 
visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.